Welcome to today's BCOG online podcast episode. These weekly sermons are a part of the growing online ministry of God. Buford Church of God is a growing multi-campus and multicultural Pentecostal church north of Atlanta. We are reaching people around the world to see lives transformed through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you for tuning in with us and enjoy today's episode with Senior Pastor Joey Grizzle. 1 Kings chapter 13, and behold, a man of God went from Judah to Bethel by the word of the Lord. Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, stood by the altar to burn incense to idols. And then he cried out, meaning the man of God cried out against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord. Behold, a child, Josiah by name, shall be born to the house of David, And on you he shall sacrifice the priests of the high places who burn incense on you. And men's bones shall be burned on you. And he gave a sign the same day saying, This is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Surely the altar shall be split apart and the ashes on it shall be poured out. So it came to pass when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God who cried out, against the altar in Bethel, that he stretched out his hand from the altar, saying, Arrest him. Then his hand, which he stretched out toward him, withered, so that he could not pull it back to himself. The altar also was split apart, and the ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. Then the king answered and said to the man of God, Please Pray for me. Say amen at the reading of God's word. You may be seated. Let me give a little background before I dive into all of the opinions that I have on this particular subject today. This is an incredible fulfillment of a scripture where God would use prophets to speak his word. And this prophet spoke the word of God that Josiah would come and destroy this altar. Now know that this altar was ultimately destroyed 300 years later. Josiah would only be born some 300 years later. And at 8 years old he became king. He went back to that altar. He destroyed it. And then he emptied the graveyard all around that altar of all of the priests who had been buried in that graveyard around that altar. Had a place of honor. He took their bones out and burned them on that altar. So he destroyed the altar and fulfilled the scripture 300 years later. That's a long time to wait for a prophecy to be fulfilled. But don't you understand this? If God said it, it will happen. You may not be able to see it in your lifetime. Maybe you are getting tired of hearing about it in church. But your lifetime is no way to measure the plans of God. The word of God is from everlasting to everlasting. In the end, the vision will speak and it shall not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it. In due season, you will reap. If you faint not, God's word will be true. So let me say this about this particular passage. I think this is exactly where America is, and I think that what happened in this story is about to happen in our country. I believe you're about to witness this miracle of the man of God confronting Jeroboam, the king of that rebellious nation. 
I want you to notice that this man of God was not from Samaria. He wasn't from that town where the altar was built or constructed. He didn't have any family members there. He was from Judah. Judah means praise. Lived near Jerusalem, perhaps even in Jerusalem. He was there during the sacrifices. Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, did not outlaw the workings of the temple, so the priests still performed their functions according to the laws of David. They would sacrifice unto God and they sang songs unto God 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They were magnifying and glorifying God. This man was raised in church, grew up in church, lived in church his whole life. He was baptized with the authority of God's power. He grew up in the right family. He grew up in the right town, grew up in the right church, had the glory of God on him. But God decided he was going to impregnate this man with the power of his word. And he took this word and sent it to the altar of idolatry. And I think the first thing that you need to know about the next few years in America is I believe that the Word of God is going to invade the corners of our culture. I believe that the Word of God has been in the church. It's been for the church. We've celebrated it. We've worshiped God. We lift up our hands without wrath or doubting. Truly, the modern Pentecostal church has become the tribe of Judah. We love to glorify and magnify God, but I believe a miracle is about to happen. God's going to put a word inside of you that's not for this house. It's for the jail house. It's for the crack house. It's for the courthouse. It's for the White House. We're about to go somewhere with the word of God that's going to confront the culture of this world matter of fact I believe the word of God is about to go somewhere that it's illegal to speak the word of God I think that Christianity is about to be outlaw. I believe that there's going to be a revival in the church that makes us decide that we serve the Lord our God and we're not here to be silent when the world tells us they don't want to hear it, when they tell us that it's not free speech anymore, when they tell us the gospel's not welcome anymore. I believe that there's going to come on the church a holy boldness that doesn't give a happy holy rip what they say or what they talk about. We're going to preach this at the altars of Samaria. Area. We're going to preach this in the downtown of Jerusalem. We're going to preach this in our churches. God's word is about to go forth like rain. And it's not going to be you just knowing you're right. Listen to me. Let me tell you how the word of God feels when it gets on you. It's not that you have an opinion because heaven help us, everybody here is loaded with those. It's not just that you have studied something. When God puts a word in you, it's like fire. Shut up in your bones. Somebody talk to me. Ladies, I, I don't know the story of, of the miracle of birth. I, I can't comprehend what your body went through. But ladies, you need to understand that, that this word is more readily available to your comprehension than to ours. It's just like when labor pains came on you. If you've given birth to a baby, you remember that, that sharp pain, that, that moment when you knew you had to let that baby 
come out. You, you knew that this was the moment for you. I believe that that's exactly what's going to happen to the body of Christ. I believe that he's about to put something inside of us that we're going to have to give birth to. And that baby doesn't care if it's midnight. That, doesn't ba- that baby don't care if it's Walmart. That baby doesn't care if it's in the church. It doesn't care if it's in the middle of the courtroom. That If you go into labor, that baby's coming out. There ain't nothing you or anybody else can do about it because it's time. And I believe that there's coming a moment in this country when God is going to awaken the church with a word and there's going to be a power inside of them and the world can't stop it. The laws can't cripple it. The enemy can't stop it. The power of God is going to go forth with with authority as we give birth to the word that's about to be born in the church. And we're going places where it's not welcome. And we're going to proclaim the word of God at the moment. Don't just go be unwelcome so that you can be rude. Wait for your miracle. Because if the miracle doesn't go with you, you might get hurt. But if the miracle goes with you, you're obedient to God. His will will be done in your life. Praise God. You know, we had a miracle in our church. One of our ladies in the church, she went in with kidney failure and they got in there and they realized the reason her kidneys were failing was because God had healed her of her diabetes and healed her of her heart condition and all of the medicine they had been giving her giving her because of the sickness that she had had in her body was now causing sickness because she didn't need any of that anymore. And so while she was in there... She was asking God to continue the healing, witnessing to the doctors, witnessing to the nurses, praying for people when they came in the room. I said, I'm going to tell you what, God's going to heal you and the devil's going to stop bothering you because he wants you out of this hospital. Somebody talk to me. Whatever happened to boldness in the Pentecostal church? We used to preach that the, the, the sign of the Holy Spirit wasn't just speaking in tongues. We used to teach that the sign of the Holy Spirit was boldness in proclamation of God's authority and God's word. Somewhere along the way, we became little poodles for the gospel of Jesus Christ huddled underneath the couch when somebody comes in to rob the house. But I believe there's a pit bull revival going to get a hold of the body of Christ and somebody's going to start fighting for the word of God again. Not going to be a revival of programs. It's not going to be a revival of cute ideas. Pastor, you know, if the church would just do it this way, we, we want to sing it this way, say it that way, organize this way. You know, if we just had some new uh, shellacking on the sign out front, what you need is a new sign. What we need is a, is a new look at the choir. We need to put choir robes. We need to not use the choir robes. We need to use the blue jeans and the flip. We need to make sure that whatever we do, we, we, we accommodate all of the chaos of culture. We need to have new color coordination. Heaven knows I know what color coordination is and we're going to color coordinate the church and that's going to change everything. Listen, that's not going to change anything. This world is not hungry for your color coordination. What's going to happen in this country is there's going to be an increasing thirst for the word of God. You're going to notice it in your own prayer closet. You can give me a witness if it's already happening. God is causing some of you to get a sense of urgency to start memorizing the Word of God. 
You're starting to wake up going, I need to remember that word. I've got to, I memorized that word. My wife and I have been memorizing scripture because all of a sudden there's like an urgency on us. Get it like a weapon in your hand so that you have the word of God ready and available. The word of God is about to give birth to a great move of God in this country. And it's not going to be by might nor by power, but by his spirit, says the Lord. It's not going to be opinion. It's not going to be a controversy. It's not going to be your your programs or your ideas. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will will not pass away. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh. God sent his word to heal them. You're going to see a revival of the word of God. All right, I'm going to make it plain. Let me get controversial here. I'll tell you who's been filling our church up lately. Methodists. Methodists have been coming to our church, especially on Wednesday night. And I'm going to tell you why. And I, I want this edited out before we go super live on the promos later. Methodist church is about to split down the middle like this altar was split down the middle. The Methodist church is splitting because there is a liberal faction in the Methodist church that has decided the word of God doesn't matter. What matters is cultural relevance. Open hearts, open doors, open minds. Which means you can bring your sins here and commit them however you want to and we'll still let you preach. And there's been a lot of compromise amongst true Methodist preachers to get along with folks. But now the devil has gone too far. And they are using the words of that great theologian, Meatloaf. I'd do anything for love, but I won't do that. The devil is trying to get the church to go with him and there are an army of people who've been walking along trying to be friendly and seeker sensitive and trying to get along with folks and and, and all of a sudden they've looked out the window and they realize where he's taking them is the highway to hell. And now they're saying, stop the car, I'm getting out, I'm not going that way. So you have an army of Methodists who are rising up going, you know what, I've I've decided I'm not going that way. I don't care if you talk about me, I don't care about the social media anymore. I don't care about open heart, open doors, open minds. What I'm going to do is I'm going to have the word of God in my church and I'm going to preach the authority of God's word. Now here's the thing, and I want to say this to my Methodist brothers and sisters, I've changed my mind. Include all this and, 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 and put it on TV. Let me tell you this. This is what's going to happen to you. See, the Pentecostal church came out of the Methodist church. We were born from Wesleyan theology. You see, John Wesley, the founder of Wesleyanism, he's the one that said when he went to that church, his heart grew strangely warm. And what we Pentecostals decided is we didn't want to just be baptized in water. We wanted to be baptized with the fire and the power of the Holy Ghost. We don't believe that anything passed away. And when you start aligning with this word and you start hanging around this gospel pond, you're going to fall in. 
And when you fall in, God's going to fill your babies with the power of the Holy Ghost because the Bible says in the last days he'll pour out his spirit on all flesh. So I say to the Methodist brothers and sisters in Christ who've decided you're going to align yourself with the word of God, hold the line. Don't you dare allow them to cause you to compromise. Be what God called you to be. Let the mountain of God be resurrected in your life called the word of his authority and be the person that God called you to be behind the pulpit and in the pews. It's coming. You're going to see major denominations splitting as there's a whole army of people rising up going, I'm not going to go that way. I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to backslide. I'm not giving up. I'll do anything for love, but I won't do that. And that altar is going to split down the middle. That's going to be a sign to you. And all around this country, there's going to be some Bible-thumping preachers. Early in the morning, going to wake up with the power of God. And they've been trying to compromise their ministry to, to get people to show up at church. But the clarion call from heaven has already gone out. Who's on the Lord's side? Let there be a dividing line in the church, Heavenly Father. So that over the next few years, we can tell the difference between the Christian and the non-Christian. Far too long the world has been so churchy and the church so worldly. You can't tell the two apart. But I believe there's a sanctifying revival going on in the church right now where God is saying to the American church, come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord. I never told you to bow down to that altar. I never told you to burn ashes to this false God. I called you to be my people, a holy people, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people that you might show forth the praises of God. Stop dressing like them. Stop talking like them. Stop acting like them. Stop watching their movies and going to their things that they watch and thinking you're going to be entertained by their cursing and their profanity and their perversion. I bind that spirit in the name of Jesus. And I ask God to let the church of the living God rise up now. If there's ever been a time for the church to lift their voice, it's now. If there's ever been a time for us to be what God called us to be, it is right now. Let it be said that this is is our finest hour. Let it be said that this is our moment where we rise and become what God called us to be. Hallelujah. Oh, altar, altar. You who corrupt this culture, I speak to Hollywood. I speak to the corruption of money. I speak to the sin of perversion. I come against that spirit of suicide. I come against that spirit of depression. I come against that spirit of homosexuality. I come against that spirit of perversion. I come against that spirit of rebellion in the name of Jesus. I don't come to you in my own name. I don't come to you with sword and spear, but in the name of the Lord God of Israel, we serve hell notice and we take testify to our Father in heaven that the church is not dead. We're alive. We're still bathed in the blood of Jesus. Our name is still written down in the Lamb's book of life. We're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation. And as long as we can shout, as long as we can preach, as long as we can pray, devil has no authority in our lives. He has no authority in our homes. He has no authority in our church. We will be what God called us us to be. This is our moment. Hallelujah.
That wicked king heard that word from God and he pointed his finger and he said, Arrest him. And that's exactly what's going on in California right now. That wicked governor is pointing his finger at the church and saying, Arrest them. Putting people in jail for having in church services. Putting people in jail because of the hate speech of calling sin, sin. Christians being persecuted all over the country with this demonic love for communism and socialism, which is nothing more than the economy and government of the Antichrist. creating things and fabricating a religion that's contrary to the word of God, trying to convince preachers to become apostate, profane the word of God, sell their soul to the highest bidder so they can simply hang on to the money. Arrest them. Shut them down. Get them off social media. Turn their television broadcast off. Get them out of the public marketplace, the public square. Don't allow them to speak. Don't allow them to preach. Don't allow them to worship. Some countries it's even worse than here. But it is no longer a single nation. It is a global movement. It is in every nation from Chile, which is now in open rebellion against the word of God, They were the greatest nation in South America and now they're trying to embrace the wicked principles of reproductive rights because they've been the last pro-life nation on the planet. They've been targeted by the United Nations for change. Now their constitution is being rewritten simply so they can murder babies like the rest of us. All around this world from Europe to Asia to Africa... The persecution against the church is the worst that it's ever been. If you hate the gospel and you hate the church, you're in good company because that's what demons are saying on every news channel and on every college campus on this planet right now. It's almost as if you call yourself a Christian, you're open to be made fun of, lampooned. and Take God's name in vain, but don't dare say one word about Buddha or Muhammad. Use his name in profanity and cartoons. Arrest them. Tired of the way they make fun of Jesus. I I, I get offended by it. I I know he's big enough to defend himself. And I just want to say, how long, oh God? How long before you judge them? I hear his word come back to me. I'm not worried about what they say. I'm worried about the fact the church is living my name in vain. You're the ones that won't repent. If I unleash my judgment, it'll start at the house of God. You better lead your church in repentance first because I'm not worried about what sinners do. I'm worried about what my children are doing. You need to bring your sins down to the altar. I didn't say if they humble themselves. I didn't say if they repent. I said if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. You want to know the problem with our country? Look no further than the person's sitting in your pew. We need to bring our sins to the altar and ask God to return us to our first love. We can't ask God for a Wesleyan revival if we can't sell out to the gospel the way our forefathers and foremothers did for us. We've got to be just as great as they were if we're going to experience the greatness of the revival that they gave to us. 
Oh, God, let it be. Arrest them. And the very hand that was pointed at the man of God withered. And I believe over the next three years, you're going to see a great withering. As the authorities that have pointed an accusing finger at the church are going to become empty of power as they wither right in front of your eyes. You're going to watch television and some of your leaders are going to be on television and you're going to watch them fall apart on camera. You're going to look at them and say to yourself, what's wrong with them? Why is this happening? You're going to see certain people who who no longer are in public position. You're going to see them as they've done over the last few years. They're going to fade from the lifestyle. The Epsteins of this world are about to be purged in the name of Jesus. You're going to see a great movement. Even the cities that are contrary to the word of God, they're going to become powerless to deal with what's happening. Los Angeles will have such a difficulty dealing with the homeless population of their city that it will cripple their economy and they will no longer be able to be the power brokers of California, San Francisco and the drug abuse will paralyze that city. The anarchy of Seattle the anarchy of Portland, Oregon they will start to wither the mayor, the government council, those people in position, their power and authority that's tried to persecute the church will become powerless because they unleashed demons in their city and they can no longer control the witchcraft that they They've been practicing for years and the altar on which they worship will be split down the middle and the ashes will be poured out just like it was in this passage of scripture. There's going to be a great withering. And at that moment, God is going to give the church authority To perform miracles. Signs and wonders are about to become commonplace in the body of Christ. We're going to get calls from bankers. We're going to get calls from city council members. We're going to get calls from leaders in our state as they say, pray for me. My hand has withered. And God's going to give the church authority to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. He's going to give us authority to cast devils out of their families. He's going to give us authority to move mountains by faith. God is about to give authority back to his church. Hallelujah. Pastor, I don't believe this. I believe it's going to get worse and worse and worse. What you're seeing is the rise of the Antichrist. That's not in the Bible. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians that the spirit of the Antichrist, that spirit of perdition, will not gain prominence until after that which restrains is removed. What is it that restrains the spirit of the Antichrist? It's the Holy Ghost evident in the church 
And I believe as long as we're here, he doesn't have all authority. As long as we're here, he can't take over this world because God didn't give the keys to Hollywood. He didn't give the keys to the kingdom, to Wall Street. He didn't give it to the Supreme Court. He didn't give it to the president. He didn't give it to Russia. He didn't give it to Europe. He gave it to the church triumphant, bathed in the power of God. My name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. God called me to walk on water. He called me to move mountains. I have the authority. You have the authority. All authority has been given to the church. Hey, my dad gave me a scripture today, and I'm going to go ahead and insert it right here. You know, Dad, I marked it in the, there it is right here. Dad has always preached to me that we believe in in a pre-tribulation rapture. That we're not going to be children of wrath. And there's a lot of people that believe that we're going to endure the rapture. Well, we grizzles have always believed that the rapture occurs before the tribulation. I don't know how the Antichrist can rise to prominence as long as I'm here. You leave, you leave me and a couple of these elders on the planet, we'll pray him right out of his authority. Talk to me. That's what I've always believed. This is the scripture they use to say that the rapture occurs after tribulation. Here's their verse. Immediately after the tribulation of these days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet and they will gather together his elect. What they're saying is, is after the tribulation, this happens. And then he gathers his elect at that moment. But that's not where he stopped. He said, I will gather the elect from the four winds and from one end of heaven to the other. He didn't say he gathered me from Houston. Talk to me, church. He not gathering me from Daytona. Bible says he's gathering them from the four corners of heaven. He can't gather all of us from heaven unless we're all in. That's what the man said. So, yes, we've been gathered, but at the end of the tribulation... Every eye will look on him whom they've pierced. Every eye will see him when he steps out on the clouds of glory. But when he comes back, he's not coming back all by himself. He sends out a trumpet and the shout of an angel. And we all rise up in heaven and we take our place with authority. And we come back to earth with God to rule and reign for a thousand years. I'm going to say this to you. This is, this is my, my opinion, and, and I've got good reason to believe this. I don't believe that it's over for America. I don't believe that it's over. I, I had this disposition in life. 
I recognize that I may not be totally correct because I'm automatically an optimist. I always believe that something good can happen. I also know that there is more holiness in optimism. People only fall into sin when they're hopeless. They, they struggle with sin because they have no hope that tomorrow will hold any happiness without drugs or alcohol or adultery or, or sin. They, they, they believe that the future is so bleak that they don't care how they live now. God doesn't care. People don't care. Their life doesn't matter. And so they just eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow they die. But, but here at the Buford Church of God, we don't believe that. We, we believe that the best is yet to come. We believe that there's still going to be a great getting up morning. We, we still believe that tomorrow God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ever ask or think. We know that our Redeemer lives, and so we don't give up until God raptures us out. It ain't over till it's over at the Buford Church of God. We believe God has one more round. One more time God can use His church. One more time God can send revival. I believe it because of the negotiation of Abraham. For 50 righteous, will you spare Sodom and Gomorrah? Yes, for 50, 40, yes, 30. God, for 10 righteous, will you spare the city? And God said, yes, for 10 righteous, I will spare the city. There's more than 10 here. I believe there's a remnant of the church that still loves God. I believe there's still a people that are not ashamed. I still believe there's enough of us that call on His name that we're still praying for the peace and prosperity of Jerusalem. We ask God to anoint the church. There's enough of us left to meet the requirements of the negotiated contract with Abraham. I believe there's enough left in America that God will not destroy us because there's too much good going on here. I don't believe He's going to destroy us because He's a God of remembrance. And I want to say this to you. Let me get to the punchline. I want to say this to you. America was not founded because of racism. America was not founded because of slavery. America was not founded because we were looking for gold. America was not founded because of the bigotry of the pilgrims and our hatred for the Native Americans. That's a lie from hell. I know your history books are being changed, but there are still a few monuments left on the beaches of New England that can remind you of the prayers that we prayed when we landed on these shores. See, the reason that America was founded is because a lot of good Christian people were being killed by the Church of England. There was a great persecution in, in England at that time, and Christians were being murdered because we wanted the Word of God in our own language. We wanted to have our own style of worship. We didn't want to be bossed around by the Pope, and we didn't want to be bossed around by a pagan king. We wanted to have church, and they were burning us at the stake. They were killing our children. They were taking our lands then there came the promise of a new land. And those pilgrims came on those ships not looking for racism, not looking for bigotry, not looking for sin. They came here so that they could have church. 
so that they could glorify God and freedom. That's how we started our country. All that the devil added to it is from the devil, but it's not what God started. And when they landed here, they built an altar on the shores of this great land and they gave glory to God and they said God we will be an ally to Israel we will be a people called by your name we'll send missionaries around the world they made a declaration that we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness that became the anthem of our founding fathers And I know that there's people who say, well, you can't talk about that now because all of those people were stupid. All of those people were racist. All of those people were sinners. Well, so was everybody who wrote in the Bible. And if you're going to discount everybody who was here giving birth to this great nation simply because they don't live up to your standards, you're the bigot. I don't believe it's over for America. Maybe it's going to be like Samson. We just go into the temple of Dagon and pray that prayer one more time. (laughs) Grant to me, Heavenly Father, one more round with the devil. All I can tell you is that I believe that in my spirit, I feel an enthusiasm for tomorrow. I feel like that the sower is about to overtake the reaper and the former and the latter rain are going to fall together and God's about to pour out his spirit on all flesh. I believe the world is hungry for truth. I believe the world is desperate for a miracle and they have learned that the vaccine isn't going to solve it. The president isn't going to solve it. The world doesn't have the answers. The United Nations can't put it back together. The only answer for the world is the gospel of Jesus Christ and I believe that there's about to be an outpouring of God's power as God honors his word that in the last days he would pour out his spirit on all flesh our sons and daughters shall prophesy God is about to give us dreams and visions in the body of Christ he's about to anoint us one more time for an awakening in this land and I call on the people of God all around this country I call on the people of God in the state of Georgia in Gwinnett County in Hall County in Forsyth County and all of these things that are around us I tell you, church, if there's ever been a time to rise up, it's now. If there's ever been a time to believe, it's now. If there's ever been a time to be located in the church with the power of God, it's right now. This is our finest hour. This is our moment of destiny. This is the intersection of our divine appointment. I believe God has a plan for America, and it involves a revival in his church. Let it be, Heavenly Father. We yield ourselves to your authority. There's a lot of churches that ignore and or avoid eschatology, meaning the study of of what is to be, the end of all things. What they believe about the rapture, what they believe about the second coming, they leave it in obscurity because it sounds weird when you say it. But the problem is it's no more weird than believing he parted the Red Sea. We believe he was born of a virgin, walked on water, broke bread, fed 5,000, raised the dead, healed the sick, 
crucified on Calvary, died, buried, early one Sunday morning, rose from the dead. It's no more crazy than believing that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego danced in a fiery furnace with the presence of the Lord or Daniel in the lion's den. Your problem is you just want to leave all the great stories in the Bible. But for Pentecostals, our great stories are in the tomorrow. Because when God wants to send revival, he gives you a tomorrow. Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow I will do great things among you. We believe, we believe, we believe that he's not dead. He's just been really quiet. Because he wanted to see if we were going to change teams. Like somebody who goes to a football game and just wears whatever jersey for the team they think is going to win. There's been a lot of people in churches, they do that. They just figure out what they think is going on in the culture and they try and congregate people and have spiritual talks so they can get a crowd and make money. I don't know what their motives are, but it can't be the gospel if you're not preaching the gospel. Well, I just think there's thousands of us left who said, you know what? I don't go to church for all that. I go because I love Jesus. You can take this whole world, just give me Jesus. That altar's in opposition to God. I'm leaving Judah. I'm leaving the stained glass windows. I'm leaving the place of praise. I'm going to the devil's camp and I'm going to take back what the devil stole from me. You can't have my babies. You can't have my business. You, you can't have my school. You, you can't have my country. You, you can't have this government. You can't, you can't have the next generation. Somebody take it back right now in the name of Jesus. Prophesy to this valley of dry bones and let God blow a wind of the power of the Holy Ghost over this land as we shout to this culture, live, 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 as God brings it to pass. May you be blessed in the city and blessed in the field. Blessed when you rise and when you lay down at night. You won't have to fear the arrows that fly or the pestilence that stings at night. For God will watch over you. And he will cover you with his wings and protect your life. May he give you beauty for ashes. And the oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Grant you courage where there's been fear. Hope in the valley of despair. Confidence in the place of intimidation. May you be the daughter of Zion. May you be the strong son of a king. ambassadors of another kingdom. May the road rise to meet you. May the wind always be at your back. May the sun shine warm on your face and the rains fall softly on your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. God bless you. I love you. I'll see you next Sunday. We hope you enjoyed Pastor Joey's word today. To find out more about our ministry, visit bcog.me. 
Our services are live streamed weekly on Sundays at 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you have any questions, you can talk to one of our pastors anytime via bcog.me messenger. See you again in the next podcast episode.